Hey, Mason. I really need a good gift for my generic loved one. Any ideas? Oh, yeah, Andrew. I have the gift they need. If you sign up for GoDaddy's Economy Blogcast Package, you'll receive 1 gig of disk space, 100 gigs of bandwidth, recording tools, and much more. Whoa, with all those features, I'd guess that kind of package will run me at least $20 a month and be plastered with ads. You're wrong, Andrew. The Blogcast Economy Package is just $4.49 a month for 12 months. That's a deal and a perfect way to get your own website, blog, or podcast started. Oh, yeah, that is a deal. Plus... Enter code Muggle when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This, this is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast. Hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because .4 will never be discussed, this is MuggleCast, episode 143, for April 27th, 2008. All right, guys. Well, I think we have a brand new uh, Wall of Fame entry this week, episode 142. People loved the episode. Yeah, they did. We got so many good emails about the show. It was just, like, phenomenal, the way people received it. it. Yeah. It was great. It's a great feeling seeing all this. And, I mean, for someone like Matt, who wasn't even on it, I'm sure he's very happy for us. Yeah. Doing such a fine yeah, job. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for you guys. You guys did an excellent job. You're not jealous I'm at not, all. No, I'm not jealous at all. Just because you guys wouldn't wait an extra hour until I got back and everything, and you guys just wanted to do it without me, that's fine. You know, I have no hard feelings Dude, at all. Dude, wasn't, wasn't your computer, like, oh. at the shop? Well, yeah, I broke it, but... Oh, yeah, oh. M- Matt, it's not our fault that you spilled water on your yeah, keyboard. It was tea. It was not water. <laughs> Okay, and that makes all the difference. It's not my fault. I was watching Sweeney Todd, and you know when you watch it, you just have to jump up and dance. Oh, way to get the sympathy vote. Jeez. (laughs) But um, we also got some negative feedback, too. We won't sit here and gloat. I mean, we got some negative feedback about the show. Some people disagreed with our opinions, but the majority of people did like it. So we'll cover all of that this week, and we got some news to get through and a little more trial discussion. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. I'm Matthew Britton. And I'm Elisa Montfort. show this week uh micah what's in the news this week buddy well the first thing i wanted to talk about um before we got into the trial was that uh abc news is going to be doing a documentary on jk rowling and uh the description reads that it's an in-depth profile which will air this november 
It includes several interviews, the book tour for the final Harry Potter installment, and a tour of locations that inspired her characters. It even hints to what the future holds for Harry and his friends. So this is a little bit different, I think, than the one we saw a couple months back on ITV uh, in the UK, and then it was re-aired in Canada. What are your guys' thoughts on this? It's about time. I mean, you know, everyone's been wondering where this UK uh, documentary, when it's finally going to show up in the US, and uh, I remember I made the call out on the show, actually, I guess five or ten episodes ago now, asking for people to send along the torrent, and we did, did get the torrent. Um, and then a lot of people asked me for the tour, and I didn't pass it along to them. But um, it's good. I, I hope they reuse some of the clips because that that documentary yeah. was beautifully shot. It, it was. Hmm. So they're using most of these clips. No, we don't know that for sure. Oh, but. oh okay. Well, then I mean, because it sounds to me like it'll be completely different. But also with new information, like they're, they're hinting at, like the you know the future of Harry Potter is is all uh, hinted at in here. So it sounds like sounds like Joe, who's now you know before you know this trial aside, uh, who's comfortable sort of writing something else at the moment, is able to say, yeah, you know, in about a year or two, I'll be doing this. It'll be like this. You know, sort of kind of thinking about the future now, which is cool. I think the whole uh, future of Harry Potter thing is just an overused teaser because yeah. that's what really everyone will ask her about these days and what yeah, everyone yeah. puts in their story. So where does Harry yeah. go from here? You know. And I mean, we already know she told us pretty much everything. So <laughs> right. in the book, it's like surprise. <laughs> well, this yeah. is a much bigger um, sort of stage to be doing a documentary on in, in terms of who's going to be doing it. I mean. I think what the guy's name was James Runcy, who did the first one, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think he's sort of an independent um, film person as opposed to you know ABC doing this on 2020. Uh, Barbara Walters will probably be involved somehow, and the report actually said that it was coming off of a documentary they did on the royal family and the queen of england the success that they had with that was the reason why they decided to go and do something on jk rowling mm-hmm. so hmm. the second queen of england or yeah. you know scotland yeah really yeah. or at least richer than a queen one thing worth noting is that um uh, last year barbara walters did her 10 most fascinating people or however many it was and jk rowling i guess was number one but they had no new interview with Joe. But in the meantime, they had Barbara Walters interviewed all these other people, you know, Hannah Montana and Hannah all the people that were, that were big in 2007. Yeah, she was Hannah she was Montana made that list. How credible is that? <laughs> well, yeah, well, that hmm. could be argued. But um, yeah, it's interesting, I think. We'll see. Like, if they couldn't score an interview with Joe, then... What, it's, what, what it know. seems like to me in, the, in this that interview that may be out. different from the other one is just th- this one's going to be to a broader audience, to more a generic audience that doesn't n- necessarily li- uh, know Harry Potter or familiar with it, um, but it's just a fan of watching the behind the, the scenes, like the 2020 60 Minutes kind of shows. The, the one that um, was in the UK and Canada that aired, it seemed more like a personal interview. It was mostly about Joe, and it just seems what they're saying about this new interview is it's mainly going to center around, you know, the Harry Potter series and about where Joe, you know, created him and all the places that sparked all the characters. And it, it was in the the, the last mm-hmm. interview, too, but it did dwell a lot into um, the biography of uh, J.K. Rowling and not necessarily just the final book itself. 
I think that's what I meant too when I was talking about the future of Harry Potter. I think they're hinting at what's going to happen next as far as books. I think that's or, or what like Joe's going to do about the future. Like I, I wasn't talking about the future in the story because we do know that. But I think the the like interview her, is like as, her encyclopedia. Well, exactly. Like they're going to ask her, like you know, can you give us a date or something like you know, as or a general idea, ballpark, some. Or maybe they'll be asking more about. Maybe the interview will fe- will feature the uh, theme park or some something like that. You know, you you know, it's kind of cool like that. I, I think if if they're going behind like the scenes with like places that inspired characters, there'll still be plenty in it for the Harry Potter fan. But like you said, Matt, it's also like, as it's an ABC 2020 thing, it'll be really like also for a broader audience, which will appreciate it, you know, just the same. What else is going on, Micah? Well, the next thing we could talk about, uh, is the transcripts from the court trial were released, uh, earlier this week. And, uh, some interesting stuff. I mean, I didn't have a chance to go through all of them. There's three days worth yeah. that are there, and literally, there must be over a thousand pages, if not more, of uh, yeah, you know, court documents. Um, it is really huge. so. Um, thanks to Stanford for providing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, how does how does that work? Is it a representative from? I think it was Harvard. No, it was Stanford. Oh, I th- oh yeah, it was Stanford. It's a what is it like? A student from Stanford is there doing the transcriptions or? Or what? Mm. Well, it seemed like the well, person was actually at the trial. Um, right. But I'm just saying, because at every court trial, they have a Well, they have a stenographer. On a t- yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So was she um, an intern from Stanford? Or, <laughs> I mean, I guess we don't know the well, answer. Well, I, I, don't, don't question, you know, your your blessings here, Andrew. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we provided these. These are great. So Yeah, I'm not sure how it works. Yeah. That's yeah. Interesting. It's, it's strange. But, um... I'm not a fan of reading Courier Post font documents, so <laughs> didn't really get through this. What annoyed me was the uh, what annoyed me are the numbers uh, dictating the lines on the side because they can't be transferred. Like you know, like yeah. I I couldn't. I wanted to post it into a big giant Word doc, and it was like a hundred pages. And with those numbers, it was like really hard to manage and kind of make into the so yeah. But it was um still those those transcripts are really informational, really helpful and. As you guys know, it's been a week and there's still no verdict. It's almost the end of it's it's almost the end of the it's almost been seven days since uh you know the trial itself, the testimony ended. Well, I think you get a a pretty good feeling for for what went on, even if you only read maybe the first twenty or thirty pages of this, and and the pages are are pretty short. Um, but uh, having sat on a jury at the beginning of the year, I mean, you're thinking about J.K. Rowling sitting up there and and having a judge talk to her just like he would talk to anybody else and you know to see somebody who you hold in that high regard in that position basically saying you know and and judges they can look like the nicest people in the world but when they want an answer to the question you know they're pretty forceful in the sense of saying you know just answer the question and it's interesting to think of JK Rowling being in that kind of a position and well, you, know, you know kind of what she was going mm-hmm. through at that time <laughs> I'm sure it isn't as bad though if if JKR took this court on like Judge Judy or something, you know. I mean, Judge Judy always always kicks down the, uh, you know. But I mean, there are no misgivings that judges aren't, you know, necessarily uh, going to lay down. I mean, they're they're very forceful people, Micah, and you're right. 
because I've seen Judge Judy. <laughs> well, good for you, Eric. <laughs> okay. I think we should get a book printed out of all this. Of all the transcripts? Micah, thr- Micah threatened to do yeah. that Micah like, threatened to do that last week, no. and you said you'd stick the lawyers on him, Andrew. Mm. Well, no, we'll only copy about no, 90. No, I suggested we do a, a book analyzing oh. the trial. Oh, 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 I thought you meant Because we can do analysis. I'm looking through these text documents. I don't see a single copyright on here. This is public well, we'll only domain. copy like 95% of all of it, then we'll just put some other stuff that in too. it. By the way, while we're on this real quick, I just want to say, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, there's a brand new site out called the Maxicon, just Maxicon.org. D- d- don't promote that. No, I'm going to promote it. I'll tell you why. It's a it's the Harry Potter lexicon completely copied and pasted onto a new site, and the guy changed the graphics, so instead of saying the Harry Potter lexicon, it says the Harry Potter Maxicon. And it's basically to stick it to Steve saying, how do you like it? Um I'm not saying I support it. I just think it's very interesting. Maxicon.org. M-A-X-Icon.org. How did you come across that? Uh, Twitter. Oh. Twitter. Twi- Twitter. Some That's interesting. Twitter. Somebody's, somebody's um, tweet on Twitter. Exactly. It is kind of a stick it to you. Despite where you fall on the issue, it's interesting to see how the fandom mm-hmm. is reacting to the whole court yeah. trial. Well, it's pretty obvious what, what the fandom, who they support. Yeah. Not everyone, though. I mean, there are quite a few people who, who are still calling Joe greedy, still. But well, I'm not saying. I mean, just the majority. Well, I, I think yeah. after last week's show, I think after last week's show, we did clear up quite a bit, at least to show. I mean, when we were talking about the fair use doctrine, we 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 showed, I think, definitively how it was actually sort of a close call um, legally. No, we did. We we really we did. did do that. Yeah, we we did it. You know, quite a bit of justice. We received lots of praise for that. Now, I think you gave the listeners a good enough um, insight on it to give them their own, give them the choice to give their own certain, right. um, you know, their own opinion on the matter. Mm-hmm. Micah, any other news today? Yeah the the final piece of news is that uh, Electronic Arts, who has made every other Harry Potter video game, uh, announced earlier this week the production of Half Blood Prince is officially underway. Oh, that's wonderful! And uh, I think you even posted an update here, Andrew, that uh, their first review for the Nintendo DS version of the game is now available. But I'm going to defer to you on this one because you've actually talked to these guys. You talked to them last year when the uh, Order of the Phoenix video game came out. Um, what do you think about this? Well, no, I th- I think it's very exciting. They have they have this new game in the in, in the works, and I mean it, it was expected. It's definitely a big money maker for EA. What failed with Order of the Phoenix though was the hype. It, it got lost in the excitement of the movie and the book, and there was just really no there's no fanfare for it. And it was a shame because with Order of the Phoenix they put so much work into yeah. it. Yeah, they were really confident about this game. Um, Jamie and I went to the EA studios. I guess it was in March of last year. And, man, these guys are so dedicated. They have an entire floor of people dedicated to Harry Potter. It just seems like the fanfare wasn't up to speed. If you looked at the final reviews, they weren't weren't fantastic. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, you know, with every video game, Potter video game, they're calling this one the best one yet. And I'm sure it will be. They've had more time to develop. Is it the same people that are going to be working on it, you think? Yeah. I recognize this one guy, Harvey Elliott. Hmm. Um, I'm sure it'll be great if you like the potter games um i don't know what else i to remember say. listening to well your... i think oh sorry go mike no i think we're gonna say the same thing it's just that when listening to it that 
those guys seemed really into it. They seemed like they were fans oh, of the game, so and they wanted passionate. to put so much into it. Absolutely, uh, as terms of description and being they accurate. They care so much about this they game, do. about Harry Potter. They're huge Harry Potter fans, which you know it's fantastic. But it, just the hype is not there for these games, and they need something. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I don't even think that's necessarily it. I mean, I think you're right in in definitely some respects. If I had to quote, I mean, I I think I might. I, I don't remember if I did this on MuggleCast, but I did review the game mm-hmm. or I did buy the game, uh, the PS2 version of the game, and talk about it a little bit. You could totally tell that they had really gone into the books and created certain characters, certain instances, little, little subtle uh, sort of events that happened in the book would be shown yeah, a in lot the game, yeah. but. They they did a lot of that backstory stuff, mm-hmm. but then I think it it also got lost in the actual playability of the things. I mean, a lot of the uh, more more historical, more factual things could only show up as trivia or wizard cards. And what affected the Order of the Phoenix games, I think, was playability in the end because every corner of Hogwarts was absolutely utilized. They did a great version of Hogwarts which was completely accessible using the Marauder's map as a feature, but every single corner of it was used and by the end of the game, I mean it it was free roaming, but it wasn't very fun to free roam at the end. And that that's such a shame because I remember listening to their report and seeing how psyched these yeah. guys were. So That's what they were counting on, this this open ended gameplay where you can go wherever you want. Whether you want to do a mission or not, you can just go walk around the school. And at the time, it seemed like an amazing feature. And then, you know, it, it's still cool, and I'm glad they did it. I think it was needed. I agree. I just, so it had more of a Mario or Legend of Zelda type feel to it, like more of a role-playing they game. They need to switch to Mario. I mean, Mario's a fantastic mm-hmm. game, and that didn't come from a book. I think, you know, <laughs> need to take a page out of Mario's book, do some classic... Left. Well, I mean, it gives you the ability to just go around as you please. Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. There's always going to be, an, um, especially for gamers, um, a lot of speculation and hesitation on um, getting a video game that's based off movies because, you know, they're always, I mean, that's the, the general consensus. Is, yeah, they're always a letdown. And, you know, it's it's not always the case, but that's, you know, that's the majority of when um, video games are made for based on films it's just a lot of movies aren't made to be made into video games we can uh continue this on in another discussion i probably could be a big debate but um yeah that about wraps up the news since we're not touching on point four all right thank you mike point four will never be discussed on the show are, are you sure we don't want to talk no correction okay. as much as micah loves point four <laughs> <laughs> And probably Ben, too. Ben, too. Ben IM'd me. No, Ben emailed all of us, and he said he was an expert on Point 4 and would like to come on the show if we ever discussed it. However, I don't awesome. think that's... Let's get him on. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. <laughs> uh, we can discuss the finer points of the... Yeah, the Forget finer it. points. Let's move on to announcements now. Thank you, everyone, as always, for voting for us on Podcast Alley. Don't forget, MuggleCast May is coming up, and we have to be number one because it starts with an M, just like MuggleCast May, Pearl, MuggleCast March. Um... Another announcement, last week I said MuggleCast Live would be happening probably May 9th. But then, apparently, it, the trailer, which is the reason we're going to be doing the live show, may not come out May 9th. It may come out the following week with uh, Prince of Caspian, per, whatever. Prince, it's just the Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. Oh, right, okay. Thank you, Prince yeah. Caspian. So yeah. it may yeah. come out with that. In that case, it will be the following week. At any rate, Keep an eye on MuggleNet.com and MuggleCast.com, and we will let you know when a live show will be doing our live show, 
whenever a trailer is announced, whenever we get a date, then we'll, we'll announce a date mm-hmm. for Pokemon Live, which will either whether be- the teaser trailer is announced. Teaser trailer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wonder how how good the uh, you know the teaser trailer is going to be content wise as far as us discussing it on the live show. It'll be a fun live show, but the teaser trailer. Remember, I mean, in the past teaser trailers, they've always shown you know clips from previous yeah. movies and then just a, a little bit of a. That's why they call it a teaser, of course. But you know, I mean, at, at the same time, so they're no longer doing it at, in Speed Racer. I guess people think that it might be. Prince Caspian instead of Speed right, Racer, right? Right, which yeah, which makes sense. Which might make fantasy. sense. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. The audience. It would it would have made sense more though if they did it in front of Speed Racer, since it's the same mo- movie company that's you know producing both films. Well, that's the other thing. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia isn't WB. No, that's Disney. It's a, it's a Walt Disney film. It's Disney. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, it's also see, a Walden Media though. It's also based off a book, so maybe that's why they probably are going to put the teaser trailer since it's one fantasy movie trailer oh, right. and That's it's the same type of genre of audience that's going to be watching it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But at any rate, just keep an eye on MuggleNet.com and MuggleCast.com for details about that. And Eric, yeah, you raise a good point. I mean, there isn't much in the teaser trailers, but I was figuring with live calls we could go for eight hours. It'll still be the top news of that week anyway. Right. Well, let's hope. Unless they get a verdict of the trial. But Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, please don't happen on the same week. <laughs> Too much to talk about. <laughs> It'll be like a, a mini Summer 07 all over Yeah, again. we'll have another 12-hour live show. It won't even be intended. But, um... Well, Warwick Davis is in Prince Caspian. Is he? Oh, yes, the, he no is. No wonder the teaser trailer's going with there. Oh, that makes going sense. Going with that film. <laughs> yeah, because of Warwick Davis connection. All makes sense now. Hey, um, like I said, episode 142 was met with a lot of fanfare, and um, people were smart. They created a Facebook group suggesting goes in the Wall of Fame. Because I was saying, if anyone thinks an episode should go on the wall of fame, find a way to gather people's support. The Facebook group has about, gosh, uh, 60 or 70 members now. So I think uh, we're going to induct um, episode 142 into the MuggleCast Hall of Fame, which is just, or Wall of Fame, which is just a little page where we showcase our best episodes for new listeners. So what do you guys think? Cool. I think it should definitely go there. I think it's one of our best episodes. Definitely. Yeah. We did a great job. I wanted to have some like celebratory music, but I couldn't really find anything. So, um, cool in the gang. Cool. Well, yeah, I thought that that's overplayed. So, yeah, it is. You're right. I don't know. So, episode one forty two. Woo! In the wall, fame! Yay! <laughs> yay! All oh, the kids. Did you are just happy. pull that okay. from iMovie or GarageBand? <laughs> no, that was the. That was the Muggle Your brother having a birthday party or something? That was the collective MuggleCast audience. They're all eight-year-olds? <laughs> no, they sit outside your room like TRL? 12. <laughs> Guys, I, listen. <laughs> They're actually all down on the street outside my window. I can look out and wave to them. I'm sure. I'll go wave to them again. Hey, kids. Hey, kids. Oh, See? so they have delayed nice? reaction problems. No, it's just <laughs> young and slow. Oh, <laughs> Anyway, let's move on to Muggle Mail now. Our first one comes from Marge Miller, 52, Phoenix, Arizona. She says, Dear MuggleCast, you put a lot of thoughtful debates and arguments about the recent trial. And there was a mention about the fans' reactions to Steve Vander Ark. But what about any of you from MuggleNet, MuggleCast, Leaky, etc.? What would you do if you ran into Steve anytime soon? Would he be invited to any more fan conventions? I'm also wondering about JKR's mental health. She suffered from depression before. Might this whole trial affect her in the same way? True, she has family, but still, it's going to be difficult. I think this is an interesting question. I personally would um, 
talk to him. No, of I don't think. Like, I honestly, I don't think a fandom discussion will, or this trial discussion will ever come up with anyone. Um, well, and I don't thing. think that people are. I mean, well, people might, but as for anybody that works with any of the sites, I couldn't see any of us actively shunning him if he walked up on the yeah, street. I like, mean, if, if any of us did approach him, I, I think we just. I mean, at least act in a professional manner. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, be polite. Just, I mean, not not. You can't just like look at him and go and run yeah, away. Yeah, no well, need to be rude. I don't necessarily agree with that. At, at least, I think the people who already know him and have met him before, like a number of us have, I don't think we would be that. You know, I don't know what the right word is, but you know, I don't think we would be offensive to him or 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 rude to him. But I think the casual fan who may know who he is, who goes up. Uh, on the street and sees him or sees him at a convention if he's invited you know I, I don't know what the reaction would be I, I could think that that their reaction would be actually you know somewhat inappropriate you guys don't see that no I think that I see, there will always be ignorant people out there yeah I mean just because you know you disagree with what he, if you disagree with where he stands and everything um, hey, I, I still uh, like the guy you know, yeah. Personally. Well, I don't know I mean, the guy, so I, I mean, I, I can't give my, I can't really judge yeah. him because I don't really know him. But there's not going to be this whole like silent treatment. Like, are you going to say like the fans as a whole are going to give Steve the silent treatment? Like, is I mean, that what Steve we're like? Steve is still a fan of 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 the books and the series. Yeah, just he's like still us. considered a fan. I mean, it, so. This this whole thing is is really strictly you know business and legal stuff. This isn't you know. Well, I yeah. mean, we could a lot of fans will treat it as a person. As as personal, but well, you also have to s- wait to see what necessarily the verdict ends up being. Because if it's something that is going to end up negatively affecting J.K. Rowling, which you know this whole trial has negatively affected her to begin with, yeah, that could also cause people to act in a different way than maybe they normally would have um, had this not happened or or had she won. Yeah, um, so. You know, people's opinions can change in an instant based upon something like that. The overall comments that we've seen from people, and I know we've gotten emails on on both sides, but they've tended to heavily favor Joe and support for her. I just don't see people, you know, going up to him on the street or at a convention um, or at any other event and just being personable towards him. I really don't. You're saying people won't mm-hmm. be Maybe nice? I'm alone in that thinking. But, uh, you know, and then how, if you're the head of a convention, would you want to bring somebody who has been involved in a lawsuit with J.K. Rowling to that convention? Oh, look, this is this is a big emotional thing. Like everybody's I, I think it's way over the top. I think it's been blown out of proportion here. I mean, we, we're actually asking ourselves as well, a Muggle, as Muggle casters, are we going to talk to Steve after this happens? Like we're actually asking ourselves that question. I mean, I, I well, just think no, uh, like the trial is Marge that's asked happening. us that question. <laughs> well, yeah. but we're yeah. Marge did ask. Okay, okay. So, so Marge asked that question, but I mean, I, I think it's a fair question in principle. But I think we're we're just we're, we've taken it. It's gone on for like three minutes so far. You know, maybe more. What about the second part of the question? What about um, regarding Joe's Jake Harris mental health? I don't think. No, I don't think. I think what she's been saying, and someone emailed in, and what annoyed me, someone emailed in and said, "Look, you guys are falling into her." emotional trap where she's threatening to not do the encyclopedia it's to get all of our attention 
And I agree with that. And I said that on the show last week. Yeah, you did. And I think it's kind of low. I don't, I don't, I think, I think Joe may have just been in the heat of the moment and said that out of frustration. I don't think she meant it. At the same time, she could have said it to get the fans' attention, and that's what, which I think is kind of well, I, not cool. Yeah, not cool. But I had mentioned last week, too, like, as Harry Potter fans, we can't help but be on Joe's side. But what I was saying when I said that, too, just to clarify, was that it's not necessarily a good thing that we can't be on Steve's side. You know, I, I, I think uh, I think we are so bound to JKR and, and that – Putting JKR on trial, I mean, it's 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 Warner Brothers, it's you know versus RDR, but the fact that Joe's on trial, that it's this Joe versus Steve thing, all of a sudden, it's it's a smokescreen, I guess. But we're all kind of trapped following JKR. I mean, I, I think that's what was great about last week's episode was we were able to sort of push things and and say what is the objective view here. But I mean, I just think what what Andrew's saying too, the whole. You know, JKR saying that she might not write an encyclopedia after that, like that—that's kind of a threat, and it's not—it's—it's it's really not cool. There's a lot of things that aren't really cool about that. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I mean, it's—it's it, 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 it's really up to her. I mean, it's—it's it's her entire series. It's her world. If she wants to do something, then she can do it. I don't think anyone really has any say of what she can and can't do, whether it's cool or not. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying. Look at the event as a whole. The, the just the overall stress of the situation and having to deal with this, you know, having to deal with this lawsuit, um, you know, from beginning to end, from when this started, you know, back on October the thirty first, and even before that point, you know, when the when the lawsuit was filed, you know, the, the overall stress and maybe that lended itself to her saying these. But types she's a of big girl, Micah. And then, she is a big you know, girl. She's J.K. Rowling. She's very, very. I mean, well, but- maybe she's saying, "Hey, look, Eric, my book is being taken and copied. If my work is just going to be taken and duplicated, why should I bother? Why should I take the time and effort to put into writing this encyclopedia if somebody's just going to turn around and take my work and use it for their own profit?" Okay, in the end anyway? but that's a little bit different than saying, "I mean, she's been drug all this way." You know, has it hurt her feelings? Well, that plays into it. Maybe she's stressed out from the that's, event. That, that's I, I what mean, it is. Based yeah. on some of her responses, they were very emotional, weren't yeah. they? And I mean, she really does strongly feel that way, and that's that's the whole deal. So, yeah. Well, and also we just have to keep remembering here that it didn't have to come this far. It's not like Joe and WB just you know up and said, "Oh, we're taking you to court." They gave them opportunities to back down, and they didn't. Can I? Can, Right. Yeah, that I think is what made it. That that's what brought it out. Okay, the next muggle mail comes from Bill Twenty Nine of Kansas City. His subject is missing the motive. The fandom are the ones that should be upset. Uh, it's kind of long here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go really fast. Uh, I'd like to comment on one issue that I think was completely underrepresented. To, uh, Un- Let me do that. I'd like to comment on one issue that I think was completely underrepresented during your discussion of the trial, though one of you, I believe it was Eric, made a couple attempts. You, me, and the rest of the fans are being manipulated by lawyers that insult our intelligence at every turn. This trial has, or should have, nothing to do with JKR's feelings or anyone else's. It may be true that she doesn't need the money, but that doesn't mean that it isn't about money. It clearly is. She is a billionaire, Steve Vander Ark is not, and he put considerable work into this encyclopedia. She says the material is sloppy and lazy in book form, but worthy of her personal endorsement online? The nature and quality of the work in question was not an issue at all until an attempt to sell it was made, so that argument doesn't hold. Every successful fiction has unofficial companion books, and you can't spot them from a mile away. 
you can spot them from a mile away. No one's going to get confused, and even that is beside the point. This case is about whether or not Steve Van Der Ark is negatively impacting her existing works, not something she might create in the future. Many of the MuggleCast hosts have taken emotional bait. I find the comments that anyone that sides with SVA is clearly lacking principles extremely offensive. The emotion in the trial may be based in reality, but I assure you that JKR's tearful admission that she just might not be able to carry on if she loses this case is a deliberate legal strategy as well as a childish threat. All this talk of putting Joe through this is nonsense. Remember that she is the aggressor here. Steve Vanderark is defending himself. Are we, honestly, to get all twisted up inside because she needs to take a few days to fly all the way across the Atlantic to testify in a trial that she brought? And I say she because all of this is all Warner Brothers dragging her into it, then she wouldn't be up there crying. I want her to keep creating, especially in the HP universe, as much as anyone. Let's be careful, however, not to automatically give her the moral, ethical, and emotional high ground. Why for her is it not about the money and for him trying to make a quick buck? SVA wouldn't need to defend his considerable work if all he was trying to do was cash in. This isn't about us wanting her to do more work. This isn't about her current works being disparaged or diminished. This isn't about her feeling sad inside. This is about fair use under the law and based on the four legal criteria, I think he is well into the clear. If this suit isn't over money, then it is most certainly over ego. Thanks. Once again, Bill. Yeah, I like this email because a lot of people emailed in saying similar things that we have to keep the emotions out of it and keep in mind that this is a court trial with law. This isn't mm-hmm. about this isn't about who can put on the best, you know, waterworks show. This is about the laws and, and the four points of the um, fair use doctrine. And I think it he's absolutely right. This was a good uh, this was a good email to choose, Andrew, because it is so um, so completely passionate in the in the direction that we didn't even go in. You know, I I, I mean, we we had made points to try to be objective, but this this is really the other side, and it's saying that that Joe is a smokescreen. Yeah. It's saying that all of this is supposed to guide us and misguide us into uh, you know taking sides without actually realizing that it's you know legally it might not be a, a good enough case. I just wanted to point out two things that that bill brought up um first was him saying that she doesn't need the money but that doesn't mean that it isn't about the money uh it clearly is she's a billionaire and steve vanderark is not and he put considerable work into his encyclopedia um that's great but the work is not his exactly you know it is his Mm -hmm. in the sense of he took the time and effort to organize it in a certain way but the work itself the actual context is not his. And then also the comment about, she says the material is sloppy and lazy in book form, but worthy of a personal endorsement online. Yes, it is worthy of endorsement online. We don't have the book. We don't know what it looks like in book form. She does. Therefore, that is why she was able to comment on it. You're not able, Bill, to comment on what the book I'll, looks like because you haven't read. I've said before, though, she that has there are pages it. of the book online and what it is, it's, it's an A to Z index. Well, um, I mean, and I mean, I'm also, with Bill here. And therefore, Can I say what you're with him in that sense? Well, I, I'm with him in that. Hold on, uh, one second, Lisa. I'm with him in that. I'm not on taking either of your sides. What I'm saying is that I've seen the, the, some pages of the book. They're online on that legal website, and it's an A to Z index. It's just a copy and paste of what Steve did, and Steve didn't put work into this. He just, I mean, he put work into his free website, but not into his book that he's paying for that yes, he's making people exactly. pay for. That's what I think the context is. 
it's it's just exactly that. It's not sloppy and lazy to put together stuff for volunteer work or to put something up for free that's, you know, act, you know, that's available by access for fans who are really into the books, but it is sloppy and lazy to take what had previously been free for the past what, 6 to 8 yes. years and then yes. try to sell it. <laughs> When yes. people can still get it for mm-hmm. free online. Well, there there is a sloppy and lazy element to just taking something and copying it over, right? Yes. I mean, oh yeah, I yeah. That, <laughs> that's why I'm I'm not agreeing with what he's saying here. And I think it was worthy of her personal endorsement online because mm-hmm. you know she looked at what he did, what MuggleNet did, what Leaky did, what a host of other fan sites have done, and she acknowledged that. And I'm not – it's impossible for everything, the way that it's organized online, to be put into the book the exact same way. And she even brought up points, some spells, a character that were not you know, the same as what she knew it to be when she wrote the book. So I think that's also the points that she was referring to when she said – it was sloppy and lazy. Well, you can also can't she also say it's sloppy and lazy compared to you know the her encyclopedia that she's going to be posting? But it's not the same thing. And and J.K. Rowling's isn't even an encyclopedia. I mean, this is one thing that we discussed last week. And thank God she is calling it an encyclopedia because her case wouldn't stand as much. I mean, yeah, it, the, the, it wouldn't affect the fair use doctrine, but it would affect what else WB is trying to fight. The fact that J.K. Rowling is developing her own encyclopedia and Steve's would take away sales from that. Well, I... Imagine if... Okay, I just wanted to say, I think it was Eric or someone who pointed out that this was a really passionate email and sort of like the opposite argument. And, you know, what's curious about that is that passion is an emotion. And secondly, um, at the end it says... If this suit isn't over money, then it's most certainly over ego. I have to be honest. I don't really care what it's over. I don't care if it's over money or ego or what um, Bill or anyone else thinks is the root of the issue. Who cares? I don't care what. I don't care if she cries. I don't care if she goes out and says that she hates infants and puppies. I don't care what she says or what she does. (laughs) I don't care what Steve Vanderark does. None of that matters to me. And I, I I respectfully, completely, and utterly reject the notion that as Harry Potter fans, we're somehow in capable of also being objective. I can be objective. I can't speak for anyone else, but I'm being objective when I say that I really honestly don't care how many waterworks she or anyone else puts on. If this is, in my opinion, about the principle, and I do agree with Bill that it is, in fact, about the law. And as a law student, I just personally think that the law is on J.K. Rowling's side. That's all that there is to it. So I think, you know, I think that just because we disagree does not necessarily make us... Um, unable to be objective and somehow others who who side with steve vanderark are objective i mean clearly there was a lot of emotion in uh the responses to us as well so we're certainly not the only ones you say Dang. girl yeah really i want to bring out two things first of all you really offended a lot of people that i know actually at least last week when you said that people who people don't have principles if they don't know but i mean that that you, you said like the worldwide had no principles out there and that was kind of really brash and, and kind of inappropriate i think but that's not what i'm talking about i'm not calling to chew you out but um the harry potter lexicon micah mentioned uh the fan site award which had been given now i found in the transcript something that i just want to share with you guys quickly because it kind of goes with one of the points that th- this bill guy was saying um hold on wait wait can i can i just interrupt really quick i mean 
mean, like, no, like, I, I don't, I'm not offended by you, you know, saying that, Eric, but I do want to attempt to at least respond to that. Okay. So can I respond to, to the, uh, the Go. offensive thing? Go. Yeah, you're a host. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Good. Cause I, I didn't want to skip over that. I, I, I believe what I said. And if I didn't, then I will apologize for not making this clear. But what I said and what I meant was that if people cannot understand how this can be an argument over principles, then they are probably not principled themselves. It doesn't mean that if you disagree, that you don't have principles. You can disagree and not have and, and still be a principled person, understand. But then you're disagreeing on principle. You're disagreeing based off of the premise of law and not based off of, in fact, emotion. So that's all that I was saying is that if someone says this isn't about principles, this is only about this is only about money and only about profit and taking a very cynical approach, then I would argue that they haven't seen, you know, they haven't had experience in the principled version okay. of the law before. So well, I, that's I always I got along with my school principles. Um, so getting on with uh, <laughs> this, this uh, thing here, I, I have this quote. Um, I had, yeah, I had this quote here um, that I wanted to bring up before we move on. And it's, um, a, it's a really good – now, I don't want to call JKR out any more than – especially any more than Bill just did. Um, but there's a, there's a quote here that someone brought to my attention as well. Uh, it's on day one of the trial. And there's – this is, this is just going to – I'm going I'm to run through it fast. Question. This is to J.K. Rowling in court, uh, trial day one. Question. Did in 2004, did you give a fansite award to the Harry Potter Lexicon website? Answer. Yes, I did. Question. Is that the only website you've given fansites awards to? No, I believe given the fansite award about eight websites now. Question. Why did you give the award to the Lexicon? J.K. Rowling answers. I believe then that Mr. Evander Ark was showing quite obsessive interest in the Harry Potter books, but in a positive way. I didn't think that what he created was – of immense use, but I thought that it demonstrated a real passion for my work, and I I gave the award, I would have to say, as a kind of A for effort. I could see that time had gone into his creation. Question. Did you give the award because you thought the site was of great quality? Answer. No. Okay, so J.K. Rowling has said that, but then I've gone back to J.K. Rowling's official site when she gave uh, Steve uh, Vander Ark, the Harry Potter lexicon, the site award, and this is what J.K. Rowling wrote then. This is such a great site that I have been known to sneak into an internet cafe while out writing and check a fact rather than go into a bookshop and buy a copy of Harry Potter, which is embarrassing. A website for the dangerously obsessive, my natural home. So later, it was cleared up in the trial, Eric. I think. I think. Um it was J.K. Rowling herself that said she had said that on the website to be nice, be nice to well, them. Well, that's about exactly it. what I'm trying and make to make them because she needed a reason to give them the fans. So she award, lied. And that's the one. Is that is that what it is, or or so she she made them look good? Like I'm just saying, is J.K. Rowling being honest on her site? I mean, she gives a fan site award to someone who has effort, but who she doesn't necessarily like as much as she tells us she likes. It's 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 it's. Well, I wouldn't like him either if someone created the. MuggleCast encyclopedia, and then we endorsed it, and then they turned it into well, a the book. The MuggleCast yeah. wiki is fun to read. This isn't a yeah, but it's yeah, but this it's, isn't they're about not turning selling it. Into a book. it. <laughs> she wrote this. I'm saying she wrote this about the website, and in court here, she's responding to how she felt then about the website. And I'm saying, you know, what can we trust with JKR now? Because that really threw me. That threw me that she was so kind of 
against it. I guess some of it's the heat of this court, but she said basically she saw it as obsessive but not very useful. And she's telling us when she gave him the fansite award that it was so useful it was her second she home. She used it herself. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm thinking, well, what can we – how can we trust JKR now is my question because, I mean, clearly this is I, – I just I, – I can't help but think there's some reason into what Bill is saying and what I had guessed before that it's kind of a smokescreen to have JKR in this trial at all that it's kind of confusing the legal I reasons. think that's an interesting point, but I think it was said later on that she she did say that to create – she did say what she said on the fan site award. To create purpose, but that's that's an or, issue with me because it means she slandered the truth. Well, you got to say what you got to say in court to protect your. That, that's true. That's thing. true. If she mm-hmm. said it was, if she admitted in court that it was useful to her, then that's basically saying it's useful. That that then that meets one of the fair use doctrines. Is it useful? Does it give purpose to the? Um, what what was the point? Mm. Whose side is that though? It gives purpose. Do you remember we discussed that last week? It gives purpose to the if it creates if it creates, if, fandom, if it creates um sort of appreciation if it enhances the appreciation. That's that was it. Yeah, that was point one. Yeah, yeah. So I think that could answer it. Just one final thing though that that Bill mentioned uh, was the fact that sort of J.K. Rowling started this whole thing, and the, I just want to say reading through some of the testimony from the first day and Laura mentioned this before it didn't have to get to this point and it was actually I believe it was Warner Brothers who filed the suit um, and, and if you look through that testimony RDR Books okay, did a lot of We've underhanded stuff yeah. throughout the course of this entire process so to, to say hey Joe you started this. I don't really buy into that because I know that Joe tried to resolve the situation and did not want it to escalate to the point that it got to. And RDR Books was not compliant at all with Warner Brothers from the get-go. One last email today from Jonathan Wu, 13 of Rochester, New York. Hi, guys. I'm currently listening to episode 142 when you are talking about J.K. Rowling and her case against RDR Books and etc. I would like to know when we are going to find out the ending or whatever it's called in court where they choose what happens to who. Sorry if I sound confusing. Keep up the good work. Well, we get your point, Jonathan. And uh, it's a couple weeks at this point. Right, and the judge is going to make his decision. Is that correct, Micah? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I haven't heard anything official, really, in anything that we've read that says he's going to deliver a verdict on this date or that date. No, there's no set um, date. I think. Um, well, weren't they going to go to the Supreme Court? He even said, it could. "No, I mean, that's only if they appeal." Yeah. I mean, which will whoever happen. loses this case is is going to appeal. There's no question about that. Um, but the thing is, the law is so vague in this case and we talked about it on the last show and even Elisa brought up you know previous court cases which Judge Patterson is going to have to use in his decision obviously and it's just it's going to take a while to come to a decision about this and that's why he you know was so strongly trying to support the idea of a settlement which I don't think is going to happen either so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a while before we hear something. Anyway, enough trial talk for today. Laura, we have to let you go now because you're like being studious or something. Yeah, you know. Bye, Bye Laura. Laura. Bye, everyone. Bye. It's time now for chapter by chapter. This week, we're going to take a look at chapter 27, the final hiding place. It's a extremely short chapter. The end. Um, 
It's literally six pages long in the UK edition. Ooh. You're reading the UK version. Ooh. Yeah, I got my UK book here. Brings back memories. Final hiding place. And Matt, what happens in this chapter? A brief summary. Uh, this is the chapter um, after the Gringotts chapter where they left on the... Do we even know what dragon yeah. it is? Oh, it's not... Is it even talked about? Yeah, we don't know what about? that is. Because we thought, we had speculated that it was the Antipodean Opali because of the Opali, but actually it's just any kind of other dragon, but it's been blinded, you know, by living down in the dark so long. So, we were wrong. Right. So, um, we find um, Harry, Hermione, and Ron um, in the middle of their their flight on the dragon to wherever the dragon is going. They have absolutely no idea where the dragon is going because they have absolutely no idea where they are. They left Diagon Alley, and they are flying over, I believe it is, like, Muggle Villages. And so, well, it said London. It said London. It's the outskirts of right. London. Well, and yeah, they the flew over got, London. Yeah, Sorry. and here's the first thing that got me. What? Don't people see these guys flying on a dragon? Isn't this? Shouldn't this be reported? Uh, it's like, I mean, you know, whatever. Obviously, they got to get out of there. But maybe if it was darker, like, I don't know, like... This is just... Well, you know, L- London is very cloudy. I mean, yeah, it true. rains a yeah, lot. It's, zone. it's a temperate zone. There's overcasts all the time. But I guess you could make that I... excuse, sure. It's just like the flying car thing. But even with... um, But they were seen. Yeah, they were seen, weren't they? They were seen in the flying car, yeah. But, I mean, the point I want to make is that they couldn't control the dragon. They can't steer the dragon, even if they wanted to, because... Trying to do so would alert the dragon to their presence. They have to lay. They they, they are so helpless and you know powerless to really control anything on the back of this dragon because it, they can't really let him know that they're there. Even when they jump off the dragon, they have to do it you know stealthily because well, it probably hasn't eaten in a really long time. And you know, in the quote in the book is three highly edible humans <laughs> were riding on its back, so it's uh, it's kind of dangerous but cool all the same. They were, um, you know, yeah. They're holding on for dear life. And and and, it, and the book also says the dragon was flying fairly high, and so probably if anyone ever saw them, they probably think it was a plane or something. Kind of like how only like six or seven muggles actually reported that they saw a flying car. There was probably a bunch more people, but they just did, um, just shrugged it off and thought it was just something else. Oh, it's just another flying car. Here's no another question. <laughs> yeah, because it was because di- because Diagon Alley can't be seen. Uh, by muggles at least at first and I guess you know muggle parents of wizard children do go to it you know as we've seen I guess we saw the Grangers in Flourish and Blots in book two but I'm thinking because it came out of Diagon Alley and kind of went straight up into the sky maybe it was protected under some kind of concealment charm you know like so that they wouldn't have seen the because uh, I mean it's not exactly like the leaky cauldron that, that that Diagon Alley is geographically in the same location as like a buildings in London. It's not like so you see, see what I'm saying that the dragon might still be protected because. Well, Diagon yeah, Alley. I have a question about that. Is Diagon Alley like unmapped territory? Territory? Well, you'd think that, like if you yeah, flew muggle. over it, would you see it as a muggle? Well, you no, know, you'd, th- you'd no. think that muggle people would have realized that there's a sort of three block long gap in between you know the streets and. Well, stuff. right, I know. So I would unless like the be- Ministry of Magic bought the property. I think it's like uh, basically like the same um, excuse they use for Hogwarts, the the castle at Hogwarts. You, you know, you just can't when see anyone it, yeah. comes across it, you just can't see it, or it just doesn't even exist. Like, th- there are probably buildings all around it, just like with Grimald Place. The, the, the uh, apartment or the house just comes out of nowhere. I mean, 
It's magic. It is magic. It's magic, guys. And it could be like uh, St. Mungo's, which is what? An actual department store location, Purge and Dow's, mm-hmm. and then that actually happens to be St. Mungo's. Yeah. So we've seen a big variety of buildings used, sort of how yeah. they work. So the dragon lands, um, well, the, well yeah. the dragon is descent, descending, and Harry, Hermione, and Ron drop, jump off the back into the water as soon as they think they're close enough. And they get to the shore, and the, immediately Harry summons all these protective charms. And Matt, you're saying this is the first time he did this. Do you think there was a reason? Or? Yeah. Well, I, I think basically because he was the you know the person who was at um, you know at emotional ease at the at the moment. Because I think he was. I think it says he was the first person to get on shore and collect himself, probably because he's the one who was thinking. Yeah, it said Hermione just collapsed. Her- Hermione, Hermione had an, pretty much an emotional breakdown. It seems when she was at the dragon, she was crying during the entire flight. So she was probably collecting herself that whole moment too. I mean, it, it was a pretty traumatic experience. And Hermione is usually the one who actually does all the summoning charms. And this was just Harry's time, this was the first time to do it. You would think now that flying on a back of a dragon wouldn't be very traumatizing at this point. In their lives, don't no, you? you think? Wouldn't I mean, it's still a big wouldn't that be like just riding on in the back of a car to them? Mm. Well, maybe she's all... crying because she has like half a dozen sores on her body. Yeah. Too. Well, I'm just putting it all in perspective. We, you I don't mean, actually realize you know. though how high they are in the air on this dragon, which is three, four times their size. I mean, even if you were realistically 20 feet off the ground on something really hard, uh, sorry, something really huge, and you're holding on by like these scales, these metallic, there's no handlebars, there's no seatbelts, and you're going so fast at such a speed, the wind is, I mean, it's it's amazing they were able to hold on. I mean, they were holding on for dear life, and the higher they went, the colder it got. They're just happy to be alive. I'm surprised they could move once they got in the water. You know, because of how fast they'd been traveling. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I was trying to be funny. I, I, I can so see that. So the big part of this chapter is that Harry gets into Voldemort's mind. I mean, yeah, as big by the big part <laughs> of it, I mean all four pages. <laughs> out of six, four out yeah. of six. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's really cool. I like this part a lot, this scene. So uh, basically Harry um, gets a glimpse inside Voldemort's mind um, and... This is usually occurs when Voldemort has, you know, extreme emotional reactions to something. And we all know what it is. Uh, Vol- we see Voldemort at Gringotts in front of um, a group of uh, bodies and things. Um, and there's this one goblin who's saying, like, forgive me. Um, they went in and he's like extremely, extremely disgruntled right now. And he's asking, what did they take? Or, and they said something about, um, let me see. Um... Do you guys do you guys know what it said? Well, I mean, at this point, Voldemort is the the most furious I think we've ever seen him thus far. And he just starts killing people left and right. Well, because this, well, this is the scene where Voldemort finally comes to the conclusion that they know they're after the Horcruxes and they know what they are. Or, or he suspects it. It's just the first time he suspects it. He's even angry when he finds out that his Horcruxes are missing, but... 
I mean, he, he he found out he lost one of them, and he thinks he still has like four or something. But you know, later he realizes he doesn't. I mean, you, when you were speaking about if Harry went in intentionally to Voldemort's mind in this instance, no. But I think in this point he was expecting it. You know, I mean, the reason that it's called the final hiding place. This is pretty much you know, the, Harry you know says to uh, Ron and Hermione, I think they may have noticed we broke out of Gringotts, or maybe Ron said that. Yeah, that, that was, was Ron. Ron who said and it. so they really know that Voldemort is about to find out, and they're going to have to go as fast as they possibly can. And so Harry's kind of—I bet Harry is expecting to be so uh, taken into Voldemort's mind when he uh, wants to kill everyone. Mm-hmm. But well, w- this is. This is what I, I, I find fascinating is when Voldemort gets very angry and very or very emotional, he always becomes um submissive to occlumency. And that's why Harry can go into his mind. I don't know that mind. it's occlumency. Because he's I don't know. He's he's, I mean if someone were trying to penetrate his mind in the normal defenses, he would still be able to uh to to rebuff them. I mean I think this is But he couldn't in this situation. You, that's what But Matt's you saying. always see you always see him going into his mind when Voldemort is very emotional. Well, that's when it crosses the barrier. Usually, they would live in harmony, but when Voldemort is very angry, it's that uh, his his anger is felt through all sort of parts of uh, you know Harry's connection, and it it, it crosses over. Um, yeah, but- I would have thought I would have thought that Voldemort would have you know done something to prevent this because i mean he knows that harry has this ability well he was he knows that this happens the the in book five they said we have reason to believe that voldemort is now using a clemency against you like trying or right exactly yeah to 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 prevent harry from blocking his but in this case i mean you guys got to think about this somebody who knows and thinks that they're immortal somebody who killed who made seven horcruxes put him in the far reaches of the globe who was, was absolutely not concerned with really really dying has found out that some obscure item this little cup of all the things in the Bellatrix Lestrange's vault, or in the Lestrange's vault, this little cup, the one he turned into a Horcrux, and and Voldemort's daring not to believe it. He's just, you know, you know, maybe they like cups. You know, maybe Harry has a cup fetish. I don't know about, you know, because he he can't <laughs> he can't possibly accept that that the, the the heinous truth, the horrible truth that that somehow they found out about his Horcruxes, and no, he knows they know. No, he doesn't. He not just yet. knows. He doesn't. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't. He's trying to. No, he knows that he's safe. He's in denial of the fact that they have them because he's in denial saying, no, th- this Horcrux is safely in this place. He will never know about this one. Well, that's that's the thing. Well, J.K. I mean, Rowling writes it as, it could not be true. It was impossible. Nobody had ever known. How is it possible that the boy have discovered his secret? So I think he did know. Yeah. And I mean, what are the chances? He, too? Knows, yeah. he, he certainly knows that Harry has a Horcrux of his. But at this point, I think until he discovers that the other ones are gone – that some of the other ones are gone, he doesn't really know how screwed he is. No, right. he knows. He's trying to convince himself that it's not true. And he and he tries to convene that he's that it's not true that Harry knows all about them. Who can possibly t- um, tell Harry what the Horcruxes are? And then he goes to Dumbledore, yeah. and he goes, "Surely Dumbledore was the always the one who was always after my after me and knew my secrets." He's considering the possibilities, but at this point, I don't think he knows that they certainly have him pinned. 
I really don't because he he was. I he think was so certain. because it's the reason why he goes. Then why does he go to all his Horcruxes then after this argument? Because he wants to double the protection exactly. just in case. He wants to double the protection just in case, and he says he wants to make sure n- he goes after the Horcruxes. To, yeah, exactly to make sure. I mean, he's not a hundred percent certain he's worried. at this point. He's more worried I, I than he's ever been. He's a hundred percent certain, but he's he's worried. He's absolutely worried, and that's why he decides to go out and look for these Horcruxes. He's it's not he's in denial there's no question about that but I don't think he knows 100% certainty that Harry has destroyed all these now, other horcruxes there's no way he's going to know until he actually gets to these places right like he was obviously he was obviously suspicious. I mean, I think that's why he was going through all of those justifications with himself and saying, oh, no, he couldn't know this. How could he know that? Whatever else. But there's no possible way that he knew that, you know, uh, whatever Regulus Black and had taken the locket. And there's no possible way that he knew that Dumbledore had gotten the ring and whatever else. So, I mean, he was obviously suspicious enough that he wanted to go out and protect them and find them. But I don't he, – there's no way he could have known the specifics at that point. This leads back to our original point. Uh, why why Harry could get into Voldemort's mind. And I think it's just that Voldemort was so distracted, he can't concentrate on keeping Harry out. Isn't that it? I mean, can you subconsciously keep your mind closed when from intrusion? That. Well, he's very no. powerful. Especially when a, sp- a, a really big blow hits yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, this was this a tremendous a big blow hit that he's not concentrating on. I mean, yes, he is thinking about Harry, but he's not thinking about keeping Harry out of his mind. He's got this huge blow to his plan. I mean... You know, well, if you look throughout the course of this book, though, it, it wasn't more about trying to maybe get into Harry's mind and see where he was or what he was doing, trying to lure him into another place. Voldemort was so committed throughout this entire book, you know, to, to getting the Elder Wand, to pursuing that whole thing, and Harry was able to follow along. And, and if not for Voldemort, you know, letting his defenses down in this way, Harry right. would have never figured out yeah. these pieces to the puzzle. Yeah. And, you know, this is just kind of like the final moment where, you know, Voldemort is starting to, you know, like you were saying, Andrew, he's starting to let his guard down. And he's just not as, he has. you know, I mean, fortified as he was yeah. initially. Well, and I mean, what an, what an idiot when, you know, he's having yeah. the thoughts that he's having right now are the most important thoughts Harry could hear other than hearing the exact locations of where the Horcruxes are. Well, now he knows for a fact that Nagini is one of his Horcruxes because he says it. That Nagini cannot stray away from him anymore and she she has to be under his protection at all times. Exactly. Well, here's what's interesting though is um, Voldemort was clearly, he was clearly off his guard and not just because of his emotion because I'm looking on page 550 in the American version, and it says that a modicum of calm cooled his rage now. And so he was calming himself down, and you can visibly notice it in the writing that he's not nearly as angry as he had been previously. And then he starts thinking in his mind rationally, logically, where everything was. I think the second, I mean, I think that, first of all, it's a little ironic that uh, one of Voldemort's major downfalls would be his emotions. And secondly, um, the fact that. Once he had calmed down, he hadn't thought to himself, oh, geez, you know, I know how this connection with me and Harry works. I was just really pissed off, and perhaps I should close my mind down right now before I start thinking about finding all these secret hiding spots. But he didn't. So he was – he not only was he emotional, he just wasn't even being logical either. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, Harry, what Harry was in his mind, but I don't think he ever thought of the fact that Harry might still be out there, subconsciously um, aware of of Voldemort's mind. I think he's got the Potter issue kind of really taken care of, and you know, in his mind, I mean, he, he he knows he's still out there, but certainly had no clue how far Dumbledore had led Harry until now. Mm-hmm. But well, he had no clue about said, how much Dumbledore knew about him too. Yeah, to begin he with. Always, well, I, I I always wanted to say, I mean. Just the idea that uh, Voldemort has prized possessions, that he's he's human enough to, to have a sort of grand scale of importance. Yes, he's, he's, he's egocentric and, you know, it, it, just the fact that you can follow a pattern with Voldemort is still really cool and kind of leads to his downfall because Dumbledore is able to use, you know, certain things and, and try and figure out what's important to Voldemort. You know, everybody has a, a sort of set of things that are very important to them and it's just, you know, it's Voldemort. Voldemort's, uh, Voldemort's just shocked that so many, you know, that somebody took so much interest, I guess, but he's now very in danger. So, what I really like about the, this whole going going through his head, what Voldemort does, is the most interesting thing is it answers the question: What happens when a Horcrux is destroyed? Because he goes through. Um, like in page 443 in the UK version, it says, But surely if the boy had destroyed any of the Horcruxes, he, Lord Voldemort, would have known, would have felt it. Um, he, he says, it, if um, he goes, well, it's true that he didn't feel that the diary um, was destroyed when it was by Harry, but surely any of the other ones, he would have felt it. He's trying to convince himself that even though he knows the truth, that he, he himself can't feel a Horcrux being destroyed. He's scared, which is, I mean, it's so great for J.K.R. to, to be able to personalize and char- – sorry, characterize this because previously she's characterized him as being so evil like in the graveyard scene and in, in pretty much every other scene. You know, up till now, he's been very evil, not vulnerable at all, very uh, – well, he's always been vulnerable, but you know, for all, the, for all different reasons. Now he's scared, and that's something you don't see in Voldemort very often you you know she only characterized him as being scared before when he was a kid you know and and was fearful of Dumbledore as a kid and it's just it's so brilliant to have this i think it's very well written yeah, but but would he be able to feel it really i mean uh you know we talked about him really being incapable of feeling any sort of emotion and you know the well, Dumbledore the, doubts it the fact that he split himself into all these different pieces i would think would have such a negative effect on him that you know even if one of his pieces of his soul were destroyed i mean you're you're constantly cutting your soul into smaller and smaller halves or you know fractions however you want to phrase it yeah so aren't you losing a bit of yourself every single time that you do that so the the ability maybe to feel just diminishes every single time that you you create a horcrux that's what dumbledore said dumbledore said that specifically he said he thinks you know voldemort was so out of touch with his other you know the fragments of soul his soul is so fragmented that he doubts he'd be able to feel if a horcrux was destroyed because harry asked him that yeah well he also has a a, a half-life also if you recall he did drink the blood of unicorns in the first book so maybe maybe that made him you know numb to the fact that he can't feel his horcrux being destroyed too yeah it's possible i don't know i'm i'm always constantly trying to think of what the whole significance of him drinking unicorn blood did to to his fate yeah that hasn't come out but that's not really terribly a big deal i guess because i mean he lost he lost his parasitic body and then was reborn so i I think it kind of passed over maybe maybe he escaped the uh unicorn blood curse so but then it's the end of the chapter 
Then it's, no, it's the end it's of the not. chapter. Well, no, they, well, they, they basically they just okay after after Harry comes out of the the hair the Voldemort coma, so to speak. He um he tells Harry and Hermione or Ron and Hermione about what happened. And what I find really interesting is this is the first time that Hermione is very intrigued on what Harry saw in Voldemort. She's 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 actually um this actually was a positive thing that actually happened to it. And she's not complaining about him well, going about into time. Voldemort's mind. I mean, you know, for the longest time, <laughs> yeah. Finally, Hermione's coming around and pulling the stick out of her. You know what? And it's like, you, did you did you just really say that? Yeah, because I feel like obviously this was a huge thing for them to know. It's what they needed, and I mean, yeah, whether Hermione wanted to hear it or not, um, she needed to hear it. So. Well, and also, um, basically, I thought there's it was no choice. You know, Voldemort's on the on the run now. After them, there's no point in who yeah. cares now. There's no choice <laughs> because they they just need to get to Hogwarts. They need to find. So their they way. realize it's a race against time, and at this point, you know, Harry's rushing to get to Hogwarts, um, and Hermione's saying, "No, we need to make a plan," which would probably go to be a good idea. Taking a look at what happened in Gringotts and what happened. No, um, no, that's the whole thing. That it's a good idea to move forward because their their previous plan sucked. They spent three weeks doing the exactly that planning at Shell Cottage, and at the end, it just turned out to be whim of the uh, you know on every whim, whatever they could do to escape. But this situation is just a little bit different than Gringotts. They broke in. They know where they are now. They they know they're they're after the Horcrux, and they know that Voldemort's on their tail now. They don't really have any time to plan anything anyway now. Whether they could in Gringotts, they can't Right, now. but even if they did, it would be worthless because they don't know. They don't control the board. They don't know at all what they're facing. Well, they don't know what's they don't know what's going on now. The only thing is they know is is that it's in Hogwarts, and that's the only thing they can do. They have no idea what's at Hog, Hogsmeade or Hogwarts. All they can do is just go there now and just face what they can because there's no way that they can find it out for themselves anyway. Wow. And also, the thing about um, rushing the plan. The last time they rushed a the plan. They went to the Ministry of Magic, and I mean, yeah, they got out of it, of course, but that that plan also sort of fell apart, and they rushed that. Remember when it, yeah. it's basically the same situation? Hermione was like, "We need time to plan," and Harry was like, "No, we got to do it now." And Harry was right, but you know, it, this is what happens. And I just want to ask a question here because I never thought of this until this point. But anybody reading this here say, "Wait a second, Voldemort's going through all the Horcruxes and." He's only up to six. Well, there's the one in his body. No, 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 no. My point being, obviously, Harry is a Horcrux, but Harry but there's doesn't. Eight. Even... There's actually eight yeah. Horcruxes. Harry's sort of a Horcrux. Well, it's like, yeah, there is actually seven without Harry being one. I'm pretty yeah. sure because there's the uh, tiara of Ravenclaws, the lost diadem, and then there's the cup and the snake. And the one in Voldemort's body, and the diary. Right, but it, the conversation and, with Dumbledore was that before he had created seven Horcruxes. That's what Dumbledore believed back in Half Blood. You're saying Voldemort is listing six here? Well, then the locket, which is he's only getting up to six. Yeah, the the diary has already been destroyed. He knows that they've already broken into Gringotts. He knows that, so he's going the lake, and we know the locket's already the been ring. destroyed. The Gaunt Shack, we know the ring has already been destroyed in the Guinea, and then Hogwarts. That's only six. So did anybody, at this point in reading... No, there's actually seven. All, all Mike is saying <laughs> is that, why don't we realize 
Voldemort is only yeah, counting six this. and not seven. We should have noticed that he's only counting six because then we would wonder, oh, where's that the seven? part of his soul is within Harry. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Yeah. When reading okay. this, did you ever say to yourself, hey, maybe that book that MuggleNet wrote might have been right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, if I read it, I, nice I didn't plug. read that book. I wish I, could, I, I wish I could tell you, Micah, that I said that, but I didn't actually read that book. <laughs> nice plug. But Elisa, you know what I'm no. trying to say here? Did anybody just notice the fact? No, I completely, I completely understand, Micah. That's a good point. <laughs> But Harry didn't even think of it, which was a little weird. Well, I think it's convenient. I don't think, you know, I don't think they would have time to have figured that out. Yeah. And, and, and look, it worked, I mean, it Harry's, worked out fine anyway. Harry, Harry's caught in the moment, too. I mean, he's not sitting there counting on his fingers. He's just concentrating exactly on what Voldemort's saying. He's looking for new information, not to pick up. He's not trying to read in between the lines. Yeah. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Anyway. I try to act like Joe sometimes to give Joe answers. But, um, so Harry realizes that they can't all be separated. Um, so they go under the invisibility cloak together, which is another throwback to Sorcerer's Stone. Um, and that's, it's cute, but. Well, except they're now tw- taller and you can see their feet now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, anyway, okay, so that's the end of the chapter. It's a nice transition into the next one, which is called The Missing Mirror, which we'll get into next week. And so, oh, wait, Andrew, did you have a quote qu- quiz? I don't have one prepared, so I'm just going to look it up right now. If I want to put my cat out, I will. And be damned to your curview. That's a quote quiz this week. All right, we have a few voicemails. Um, just three, actually. I got I to gotta tell you guys, we haven't been getting many voicemails. We only got one from the UK, zero from Australia. In the, in the past week, I'm talking about, since I fixed the voicemail line. Um, yeah, so guys, feel free to call in uh, the contact information at the end. Ask some good questions, please. We like good questions. Okay, here's the first question now. Hey, guys. Um, I've been listening for a little while. Uh, and I noticed last week that Mike uh, used the S-word twice. Uh, only one instance of which was censored. The other one was you know, near the middle of minute 59, I think. Um, just wanted to let you guys know, because um, I'd hate for there to, you know, my own uh, parents kind of um, uh, listen to what I listen to to make sure that it's all right. And Aww. I hate to, to have to stop listening to MuggleCast and switch over to uh, that other podcast. I don't know what he's talking um, about. Anyway, keep up with the good work. I love the show. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, that was my fault, yeah, Mike. I'm know. sorry. Uh, what the hell I was thinking. I mean, what did I say? Bull. Yeah, you said it twice, and the first time I had it bleeped, and then the second time I didn't. Yeah. See, what happens I'm is sorry. I'll edit, and then it's playing, and I'll sort of like go off in my own world. I start thinking about, like, you know, hairspray and the turnblad. <laughs> Spice Girls. I was gonna say Spice Girls easily, so you know me well. <laughs> and then um, I just, I just, it, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious though how everyone um tries to um tell you that you swore. Well, actually, we didn't get much feedback about this one, which I'm happy about. Oh, good. Everyone, everyone, everyone uh, rags on Laura when she curses, but when it's Micah, I guess they're just scared of you, Micah. No, That's they just yeah, as well they should be. Loves, everyone loves Micah's dulcet tones. They'll take it however they can get it. Mm, you can say that again. <laughs> But don't. Um, all right, here's another. There's only. So there's, I apologize. We only have two this week, so here's the final one. Uh, hi, it's Matthew B. 
Uh, you finally got the uh, voicemail working again. That's good. But, um, I've listened to the live show, and I just wanted to make a comment. Uh, someone was saying that, um, what was it? Um, I don't know. Something about the books, and you've missed out if you haven't read them. But I'd just like to comment and say, no, you haven't, because as good as the books are, and I know that they are good, they're very good because I've read them, but you're not missing out if you haven't read them because you get something different if you just watch the films, then you get something different than, let's say, or maybe if you just read the books and never saw the films, you get something different from each side, or it's, even if you did both, you'd get something different, you know, uh, you get a different view of the whole series and that. So I just like to say that. But if you haven't read the books, you're not missing out. You, you just you're gonna see it in a different way, you know. So uh, I just like to leave a comment. Okay, thanks. Bye. I think it's a really interesting perspective. It's a good way of looking at it too. Um, yeah. I think in the in the perspective of like fans of the books who have seen the movies too, it's an inclination to say that you're missing out if you haven't read the books and have only seen the movies because there is so much more. I mean, this guy's saying that there are two totally different mediums that you're not really necessarily missing out. They're just so different. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's still, I think we're allowed to say that to people that were, that they're missing out because that happens to be a matter of opinion. Well, that's always the know, consensus but. with people who read the books. Fans of books that are made into films will always, you know, hold on to their books more than the films because they love every single part of it and well, see, every time I, something's I listened, cut yeah well, I saw the movie first and I'm still going to say that if you don't read the books you're missing out on a lot a well, lot yeah, of good definitely. creative stuff Same here. I, I completely agree it, with yeah. that well, yeah, I, I think many of us who actually go see the movies see it with P, uh, Potter fans of the movies who haven't seen read the books. And some of the movies, I mean, they get so confusing for some of the people who haven't read the books. And they and they actually, you know, um, my brother and sister, when they watch the movies, they, they actually um, asked me during the film, what just happened? Because sometimes you just need the book to make more sense. You do, but in, in the sense that I think... Um, we've said before, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, the films are really special in their own right. I mean, it is a different experience. And they're also, they don't cut I, as much I from do the agree books. With the, I, I disagree with this caller on that. Yeah, you are missing out when you don't read the books. But at the same time, yeah, they're, they're separate and you do get something unique out of the movies. And I think that's what he's trying to say. Um, Andrew, I've, I've got to actually get going. All right. Okay. Well, uh, Eric's got to right. leave now, but uh, everyone's ditching us tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, see you guys later. Okay. I'm Eric Skull. Bye. Take it easy. Ciao. All right. Bye. bye Eric. Wait. Uh, <laughs> I'm back. There was something I had to talk yeah. about. Before I go, uh, I just wanted to – my girlfriend made uh, wants me to uh, mention something about last week's show. Um, it'll it'll be quick. Uh, but um, if you guys recall, um, we had said that The Root of All Evil was a bad show, and I just wanted to clarify that it's not a bad show. Uh, it's a terrible I show. Like you want to clarify Andrew, or she We wants watch to it clarify. every week. No, I want to clarify. It's, oh, it's okay. just it's, 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 it's scripted. It's it, bad. It's, it's, it's Root it's of good. All Evil sucks. I and think I it's love Lewis awful, Black, personally. but I think it's a horrible show. So um, I'm sorry, Eric. I, 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 I think it's good. Okay. Wait, you think it's what? I think it's... Oh, sorry. We just lost Eric. That's weird. <laughs> oh. 
Pub thumping by Chumbawamba. I guess you want to just listen to the chorus for your answer. Your answer to that question. Yeah, um, my math teacher actually used to play that song during exams. Um, that has absolutely zero relevance. <laughs> and to, why would she do make that? The music connection. He uh, did it. I don't know. He he actually played the radio when we took exams. Oh, so it was always um, on the radio. That's understandable. Yeah. I'm dating myself a little bit by saying that it was on the radio yeah. um, a fair <laughs> amount old. of time. Uh, not that old. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it, you guys knew that song. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, okay. Heck, yeah. All right. I was going to say that there's two things that came to mind. One was, uh, you know... Uh, was it when Ron was playing Quidditch and trying to make the team and no matter what he just kept going at it um, but then there's another one I think overall you know what Harry's gone through he's got knocked down a bunch of times but he just keeps getting back so up true. and fighting ah uh, yes so yeah that's my uh, tribute to children <laughs> 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 alright Elisa it's your turn alright Make the connection, Lisa. Oh, this this is an easy one for me. This is totally a Dumbledore song for Grindelwald. Does oh, no one else wonderful. see that connection? No, I like it. Yeah, I like God. it. I get it because he was gay. I get it. I don't know about God. you guys, but whenever God. we do this segment, I always think of like this song as like a musical, and they just break out, start singing. So seeing Dumbledore <laughs> bust out singing, well, I think you're crazy. Have you seen? A, you, have you guys seen that movie? Uh, uh, you know, Forty Year Old Virgin at the very end, where they all break out into dance. Yeah, you seen that movie? Yeah, that's. Yes. I see the same thing, Matt, and so I see like Dumbledore in the center singing this to uh, Grindelwald, and you know Harry and everyone else sort of doing the backup dancing. They did that at the end of um, what's the sequel to Bruce Almighty? Uh, Evan Almighty. Evan Almighty. Yeah, they did that. Then that too. That was funny. That's good. All right. Um, let's see who's next here. Oh, Matt. Should I stay or should I go? If you say that you are mine, I'll be here till the end of time. So you've got to let me know. 
Made famous these days by rock bands. Should I stay or should I go? By uh, the Clash. All right. Okay. Well, uh, Elisa did give me a little hint, and I, I, I fully, no, I didn't fully agree with her. Yeah, you did. <laughs> just, just take it. Okay. Um, this scene is definitely from Deathly Hollows when Ron argues with the trio about uh, Harry, and he he skips on t- he skips out of town. He's gonna. He's not gonna stay. He's gonna go. But then come back. Nah, 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 nah. All right. Um. Here's uh. Here's mine that I haven't heard yet. Mind you. Oh yeah. Oh, I love this song. I love this song. This is my theme song. Every day of my life. Yep. Um. Jeez, I, I can think of several little examples. <sighs> okay, what I can think of is when, um, when Dumbledore's army just goes and fights the Death Eaters during that whole scene in Order of the Phoenix. Like, I don't know if they're back in town, but it's sort of just like. This is this is sort of like a mm-hmm. a kick butt song, or you a little more um a little more uh, relevant to the song. How about um the order c- fighting them in order of the phoenix? Yeah, when, when yeah, the order that's comes back, a better one. Yeah, I w- I wish I just wish these songs were a part of these films. It would be so amazing. <laughs> it would. It really would. Oh, <laughs> you are awful. Oh. <laughs> what? Chicken soup for your, for your soul. soul. Ah. Voicemail this week. It's a chicken soup voicemail. She wasn't sure if she could call it in, but of course you can. you can. Do anything you want. Hi, this is Edith. I'm 13 from Phoenicia, New York, and I was just calling. Um, to do a chicken soup. I don't know if you can do that through the phone. But uh, yeah, you can. Um, this isn't like one of those kind of really sad things, but I just wanted to thank you, especially with the end of Pickle Pack coming so soon, or like pretty much like it's now, for everything and all the hard work you've done with Pickle Pack and with MuggleCast in general. Um, I can't imagine putting that much time into anything except like obsessing over you guys so yeah thank you so much it's been like a wonderful two and a half years so yeah i love you Bye. i thought that was sweet that was thank you very much pickle pack has ended um it's been a year i can hardly believe it pickle pack has been around for a year it's all said and done. I'm a slacker. It's coming soon is Cucumber Pack. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a big hit. Hey, that's all yours, buddy. That's <laughs> <laughs> fun by me. <laughs> sure it would be. Yeah. Okay, Mikey. We cut the innuendo now. Don't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And finally today, it is time to announce the third place winner 
the Create Your Own MuggleCast segment contest. Correct, Matt? Yes. Woo! We got about well, we got a lot of entries. I I don't I can't even remember how many. But um, once again, they were all very good. Thank you so much for sending them in. Um, I had so much fun listening to every single one of your segments and. They were really good. Andrew, did you listen to some of them? Yeah, I listened to all of them when we were judging, and yeah, they were they were great. I, I, I'm I'm never um, disappointed by the creativity that our listeners come up with. No, and I like how a lot of them use the uh, Hedwig's theme song. They they just rip it off of our MP3 file of the show, and you know it's nice. Yeah, so, it's not copyrighted. Congrats to right. We're not going to sue. Well, no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying it's creative. But um, yeah, everyone's very clever. It's great. But we only, but alas, we only had to pick three that were the top ones. So um, so we're gonna play the third place winner today, and then this person is going to go home with the third place prize from the wonderful Olivons at Olivons.com. They will be winning a fifteen dollar gift certificate to, for purchasing anything at Olivons: scarves, ties, wands, you name it. Olivons has it. Olivons.com. So, um, Matt, who is the third place winner? Um, the winner uh, for this week is, is Nick Bailey. He's 13 years old, and he did this by himself. He is entitling this segment uh, the Wizarding Wireless Network segment. And so, cool. Let's play it now. Let's play it now. Introducing Wizarding Wireless Network Work 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 On behind your ear And learn to rock all night So give me some of that Wheels are raw So give me some of that Real wizard Alright, so let's jump in right in here our first band is the Remus Lupins. Alright, and so we're going to play a song, which is the title song of their album, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Our second song, Fate of Severus Snape, is also by the Remus Lupins. But I would never my back on some Death Eater who sold James and Lily out. Well, the truth changes everything, and there's no way for us to argue now. Naremus Lupins do some really great wizard rock. They're just one of my absolute favorite bands. When I was doing research for this segment, I bought a ton of their music. So let's see them off with The Wizarding World at War. The one selects the wizard as his fate, yeah, chooses you, not the other way. And I hope when the time comes, I can do my part. So much, so few. It's with steadfast hope that I 
Our next band featured is the Whomping Willows, the one-man band. Alright, up first, the song, in which Harry and Draco secretly want to make out. Just so you know, I don't support that, it's just it was at the top of the list, so I thought I'd better play it. Potter, give us a sign. Can't commit to Jenny, so what do you have in mind? Give me three guesses. Is it Professor McGonagall? Is it Lavender Brown? No, it's Draco and Harry sitting in a tree. Up next, Cedric had it coming, once again by Wampy. It's such a cliche. You've been at Hogwarts long enough to know that Harry's gonna get through whatever comes his way. And to see the Whomping Willows off, Wizard Rock Heartthrob. Rockin' wasn't enough, if you're gonna score with groupies, then you gotta be a hunk. Take a bye with overwhelming talent alone, and man, that's all I got. Man, that's all I got. Could've been a Wizard Rock Heartthrob, could've been a star of the show. Alrighty, up next, the one, the only, Harry and the Potters. And I picked the first song, special for Andrew, presenting Voldemort Can't Stop the Rock. Up next, one of my personal favorites by Harry and the Potters, Spew. Alrighty, we'd like to thank all the bands that we had on today. Uh, we are approaching our time limit, so we're going to wrap the show up. Alright, so if you'd like to uh, send any comments or questions to us, please email us at mugglecastwwn at gmail.com. Yes, that's mugglecastwwn for Wizarding Wireless Network at gmail.com. Alright, now let's wrap it up with host favorite Alrighty, that didn't really work. But anyway, this is my personal favorite, The Wizard Rock Twist by the Remus Lupins. Well, it starts in the morning when you get-
Get out of bed and take a look in the mirror of Paris said It's clear as day that your true desires to do the twist You know the magic words that you need to say And the music comes from the record you enchanted to play Put on your awesome tie and you scream out loud I'll do the twist You head down to the library And you know just the band that you're gonna see Yeah, you love them true and they love you too So do the twist The Wizard Rock Show I'm Nick Bailey. Good night, everybody. All right, great job, Nick Bailey. Did that all on his own. I thought that was good because um, a lot of people have been asking for some Wizard Rock music on the show, and and Nick did it for us. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. So, uh, I, I'm I'm surprised we don't do that. Well, why don't we do that on the show? I, I, honestly, about a year ago, year and a half ago, I had a segment in the works called MuggleCast Jukebox, and I wanted each week I wanted to have, or you know, whenever we could, I wanted to have an interview with a Wizard Rock band on the show and then play like a song or two, but. I don't know, this is the amount of the pr- of production that would that would require is a little it was a little too much at the time. Time time wise. But um just didn't have that Yeah, time. congratulations Nick um for winning third place. Again, he'll be winning a $15 gift card from olivons.com www.olivons.com. Woo. Okay. He could pick a wand, a robe, whatever he wants. <laughs> just make sure it's 15 worth $15. Or you can put $15 towards your purchase as well. Yeah, you so can do whatever you want. It's your gift card. So next week, what's happening? Uh, next week, um, we are going to be announcing the second place winner, which I can't announce yet, can I? No, we'll, we'll make people wait. But anyway, that does wrap up our show for today. Uh, we want we want to remind everyone about our contact information. Michael, what's the P.O. Box? The P.O. Box is... P.O. Box 3151, Cumming, Georgia, 30028. Hey, we're looking for your voicemail questions. So remember, if you're in the United States, you can dial 128 magic If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 20 877 And if you're in Australia, you can dial 02-8003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. Just remember that no matter how you call us, remember to keep your message under 60 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible. You can also use MuggleCast.com to contact us via the handy feedback form or use any one of our first names at staff.mugglenet.com. You can also visit MuggleCast.com for a variety of community outlet links, including our MySpace, our Frapper, our YouTube, Frap... What is going on with me today? <laughs> our MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm, and the fan listing in the forums. And you can also dig the show at dig.com and vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. Yeah. So I think that does it. We had six people at the beginning of the show. We ended up with four. Nah. So you guys survived it all. Thank you. Fantastic. Great job, guys. Fantastic four. <laughs> the MuggleCast Quartet. <laughs> nah, like, fantastic. Fantastic <laughs> four. That's right, because of my rock-hard body. <laughs> so that wraps up our show for today. Normally right here I would say apologies to J.K. Rowling, that, but we're out of time. But Matt thinks... Um, it's not cool for me to say that. So I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Mike Tannebell. I'm, I'm Matthew Britton. <laughs> and I'm Elisa Moffert. We'll see everyone next week for episode 144. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.